Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Happy Friday and welcome to our show. I'm Bill Shanks. Thanks so much for joining us here as we are two days away from Super Bowl 58. I finally heard what number Super Bowl it is. I, for some reason, hadn't heard what number it is. Bunch of daggum letters. Let's just say 58 and be American. We are, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to have our Super Bowl prediction show. So we're going to be uh, starting at 425. We're going to be taking your phone calls. And if you're listening to this in our 6 o'clock hour later on, you can still go on Twitter at Bill Shanks and send me your predictions then. But we're going to be giving away a lunch for wherever you're at. If you're in Brunswick, we'll get you a lunch at Marshside Grill. If you're in Savannah, we'll get you a lunch at Coach's Corner. If you're in Warner Robins, we'll get you a lunch at taco shed or wild wing cafe or mccall sandwich shop if you're in macon we'll get you a a free lunch to dawson's kitchen or famous mike's or wild wing cafe one of our great sponsors many of our great sponsors we've got all kind of great restaurant sponsors if you're in hawkinsville the steakhouse restaurant in hawkinsville i'm going to take it upon myself to say that the Great sponsors we have will not mind letting you go eat some lunch if you get the right Super Bowl prediction. It's prices right rules, so it's pretty much closest without going over. We have had an enormous amount of response in the past to this, and we Look forward to that again today. Chiefs and 49ers. I am pulling for the Chiefs. The heck with the 49ers. But I know a lot of people are going to think the 49ers are going to win. I respect that. They might. They might win. But we, you know, if if you're not a 49ers fan, I don't know any 49ers fans, thank God. I, I would disown them if I did. And I, I do know a Chiefs fan, a buddy of mine who now, he used to live here in Macon, and now he lives in Houston, believe it or not. He went to Missouri, and he is a Chiefs fan. I might text him and tell him to call me from Houston. He may not even be in Houston. But I may say, like, hey, you're my only Chiefs fan. Call me and give me a prediction just to see if he'll call in. But we'd love to hear the predictions. We, we want to hear what you think is going to happen in the game on Sunday. And if you have to lower yourself to tell us how long you think Taylor Swift will be on the TV, then we'll listen to that too. Over, under. I'm sure there's a prop bet. Over, under the number of minutes that Taylor Swift will be on television. Most of us don't care. We just want to see a good game. We don't care. I mean, you know, I mean, it, we're not going to offend anybody who likes to see Taylor Swift, but that's not what we're watching the broadcast for. <clears throat> now, some people are going to watch the broadcast for the commercials. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> watch the commercials. That's good. Watch the commercials. 
I'm not. I'm I'm almost 54. I'll probably go, you know, be taking a leak most of the commercial breaks. <laughs> Let's just be honest. The older you get, the more 10-100s you have to take during the commercial break. So if you miss, you know, Betty White getting slammed down because she's eating a Snickers bar in a football game, what the hell? What are you going to do? But I And I'm just kidding, of course. Well, I'm not really not. I mean, I, I watch the commercials. Some of them are good. Some of them are stupid. But, yeah, we'll pay attention to them. You know, I like to mock that every year. I mean, I want to watch the game. I want a good football game. It's the last one, right? Last one until August. So, I want a good football game. I mean, we'll have spring football, thank God. But I want a really good Super Bowl game. Because Monday, this baseball season, it's time to look at the Atlanta Braves and get ready for pitchers and catchers to show their butt up at Northport, Florida, and get ready for a little baseball. So can't wait for that. We do have football news. We'll always have football news, of course, and we have it today. Georgia has another new player. Benjamin Urosik, Stanford. He's smart. 6'4", 242 from Bakersfield, California. Last year, he had 16 catches for 239 yards, 14.9 yards per catch, one touchdown. He also, in 2022, had 49 catches for 445 yards, one touchdown. And in 2021, he had 42 catches for 653 yards and three touchdowns, and he averaged 15.5 yards per catch. He is a big kid. Again, 6'4", 242, and so Georgia has a very tight, tight end room. Of course, Oscar Delp is coming back. He played in 14 games this year, 10 starts. Got a lot of playing time because of the injury to Brock Bowers. And he had 24 catches for 284 yards last year. So, of course, a lot of people were expecting Oscar Delp to be the man. I think he's going to be the man. Three touchdown catches a year ago. Lawson Lucky appeared in seven games, two catches for nine yards and one touchdown. Pierce Sperlin, six games played, three catches for 60 yards. So those are the three returning players that tied in for the Dogs. Jaden Riddell is coming. He's from Missouri. 6'4", 235, and he has already had pretty good reviews in the bowl practices. And then you've got Colton Heinrich, 6'3", 230. Those are two true freshmen with Riddell and Heinrich that are coming in. And now Benjamin Urosik. 16 catches, 239 yards, and one touchdown. Look, uh, Carson Beck obviously had a tremendous target last year with Brock Bowers. Before Carson, it was Stetson Bennett. Brock Bowers had the best career of any tight end in the history of Georgia football. He is a legend, Brock Bowers is. It's going to be very difficult for any one person to take the place of Brock Bowers, who's probably going to be a top 10 draft pick. But there are six people now who are going to have the chance to do it. And 
all six have had either a pretty good start to your career like Jurisic or are very heralded players. Again, I think Oscar Delp's going to be great. <laughs> I mean, usually when you lose a player the caliber of Brock Bowers, you don't say, well, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal because the presence of Brock Bowers was unparalleled, uh, incomparable. You know, and we, we felt that when, when Brock was not in the game. And, and I said a couple of weeks ago, Lad McConkey had that same kind of presence. When Lad wasn't in there, it was like, wow, you're kind of missing just the presence of Lad McConkey because of what he could do on the field and how he disrupted things offensively. Brock Bowers, of course, did that for the moment he took the field at the University of Georgia. But in his place, I think the the dogs have an unbelievable list of tight ends. I mean, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous of how good this group of tight ends can be. Again, Delp, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oscar Delp has 500 yards this year. Now, if they spread it around and Lucky and Sperlin, who are coming back as sophomores, get more time and have the opportunity to get more targets, then he may not get 500 yards, right? It may be kind of a shared deal, and you know Jurisic is coming to Georgia to play. I mean, he's a an older player. He's been at Stanford. He's a, he's a graduate transfer, I believe, so he's already been at Stanford for four years coming in, and he's a good player. Stanford wasn't very good, but he's had a really good run at Stanford. So more good news for the dogs. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. What area of Georgia's roster is not good right now? I mean, think about that, that I would be even be asking the question of, all right, you just, you know, won two national championships. Then you obviously had a one-loss season. You had a very good season. And you once again finished high in the rankings. And you're losing a lot of talent again. And yet, you look at this depth chart here, and you're like, well, what's the problem? And there's not one. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what Georgia has uh, accumulated. Now, is it the best in the country? Well, I think a lot of people are going to think it is the best in the country when they go to camp and when the magazines come out in, in June, May, whenever they do. I think a lot of people are going to say this is the best team in the country. They've got a quarterback coming back, of course, with Carson Beck, which means a lot when you're looking at who's going to do what this upcoming year. Your first thing you on your list is what's the quarterback situation. That's why Michigan last year got a lot of love from people because J.J. McCarthy was coming back and he was a veteran presence. And it was like, well, that's going to give Michigan a, a pretty good chance here. And it did. There's no question. J.J. was very good for Jim Harbaugh and, and the Wolverines who, by the way, are hiring Wink Martindale from the NFL to be their new defensive coordinator, which is a very interesting hire. But Georgia's in great shape, and this is yet another depth piece that just makes this roster even more ridiculous. Georgia's now brought in the following transfers on offense. Tight end Benjamin Urusik, receiver London Humphreys from Vanderbilt, Michael Jackson the third. As well, Trevor Etienne, of course, from Florida. Colby Young from Miami. Three receivers, a running back, and a tight end. Not an offensive lineman. Does that say a lot for what Stacey Searles, the University of Georgia offensive line coach, and 
Mike Bobo and Kirby Smart feel about the offensive line? Well, I hope so. I think if there was a need, quote-unquote, in offensive line, they would have been more active and aggressive in the transfer portal, but they didn't need to be because the talent is pretty pretty good. There are six offensive linemen that are coming in as true freshmen. I think uh, a lot of people believe there we could see a couple of players, Daniel Calhoun in particular, maybe get playing time as a true freshman. And these days you about have to play him as a true freshman to let them know you're interested in them. So it's pretty impressive. It's ridiculous. And Georgia continues to just add the talent. I mentioned that about Wink Martindale going to going to Michigan. And of course, Martindale's been a, head, a, a rather an assistant coach. I don't think he's ever been a head coach in the NFL, but he's been a long-time assistant coach in the NFL for many years, coordinated for many years as well. And it's very, very interesting for, for him to take that defensive coordinator job at, at at Michigan. You don't see that very often where an NFL coach will go to the college ranks, especially with the demands on the colleges with recruiting and everything of that na- nature. Um. I'm bringing Martindale, his real name is Don. They call him Wink, kind of like Wink Martindale, the TV host. Wink Martindale, the football coach, is 60 years old. He is coached going backwards. Giants, Ravens, Broncos, Raiders. And 20 years ago, he was at Western Kentucky. Started as a defensive coach. First for Defiance College. Where the hell is Defiance College? That's a new one. I have never heard of Defiance College. Are you a Defiant if you are at the... It's from Defiance, Ohio. I have never in my life heard of that college. That's where he played. Then he coached for two years. Then he went to Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Western Illinois, Western Kentucky, and then he made the trip to the NFL. So he hasn't been in college football for 20 years. But this guy's a good coach now. He's 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 got a really good reputation as being a very good, a very good football coach, and that's where he's going now to Michigan. It's interesting though because of the dynamic of college football and what goes on. Um, Chip Kelly is right now the head coach at UCLA, and Chip, of course, had a, a great run at Oregon, and then he went to the Philadelphia Eagles. Then he went to UCLA. Uh, oh, he was a San Francisco 49ers coach for one year. I forgot about that. He, that was weird. He, he went to the 49ers for one year. One year. And he was mainly a college coach before he had success at Oregon and, and then uh, decided to, to try the NFL. He got a huge deal, coached the Eagles for three years. That was after Andy Reid. And, I mean, an unbelievable amount of money, though. Unbelievable amount of money, and I'm going to look see if I if I see what he did. He signed a contract. No, it doesn't really say. Doesn't really say how much money he got. He got a fortune to go to the Eagles, though. And most people thought he was kind of out of his league. They did not do very well. Uh, Philadelphia is wanting to fire him, and San Francisco instead came and hired him. Uh, following Jim Harbaugh and Jim Tomsula, who was a disaster. But then the rumors started that Kelly was going to go back to 
to the college ranks. He actually worked at ESPN for one year as an analyst. But he went to UCLA, so he spent 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, six years as the head coach at UCLA. And you may remember that he had a he had a little rant after their bowl game this year where he talked about the troubles of college football. And it was very good. It, it, it was not insulting. I mean, he had not only criticism, but he also had suggestions and, and potential questions that could be answered by just making some decisions. I, I think a lot of people really applauded what he had to say because he was like, we, you know, we need to have a different level for football. We don't, we don't need to have all these teams that are in the ACC going out to play Stanford. Some of this is stupid, he was pretty much saying. And, and he was so right. And it was refreshing to see a coach say some things that needed to be said out loud. And it's been reported that Chip Kelly is, is, was unhappy at US, UCLA. Uh, he was a candidate in Seattle for their offensive coordinator job. He has been a candidate on several jobs. I think he was mentioned for the Washington offensive coordinator job with Dan Quinn. But he now, I'm leading up to this to bury the lead, is going evidently to, to Ohio State to replace Bill O'Brien, who had just gotten to Ohio State, who was turning around and going to be the new head coach at Boston College. Boston College's coach, of course, left to go be the D.C for the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, Bill O'Brien was a former head coach for not only Penn State, but he also was the head coach in the Grand Poobah for the Houston Texans. So there's more intermingling between college coaches and NFL coaches, and it's also interesting, I think, for a, a head coach of a team that, well, right now they're in the Pac-12, but they're not going to be, that's going to go and be an OC somewhere else. Maybe Chip Kelly is just kind of tired of the rigors of being a head coach. He's made all the money he needs to make, and he's like, well, I'm just going to go coach football and be an offensive coordinator and not have to worry about this stuff because coaches have to worry about a lot. I don't know how they do it. And Chip Kelly is getting up there in age. He's now 60 years old. So it's obvious he just wants to back up a little bit and simply be an offensive coordinator and not have to worry about the struggles that all head coaches have to worry about. It's interesting, though. It really is. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, the matchup between Kansas City and San Francisco. Then we'll talk a little bit of basketball. Anthony Dasher will join us at the end of this hour. Top of the 4 o'clock hour, D. Orlando Ledbetter will join us. Tonight at 7 o'clock, we've got the Hawks coming on from Philadelphia. So look forward to that. See how the Hawks do. Joel Embiid won't be playing, so maybe Atlanta will have a chance. But we will be taking your predictions again at 420. You could go on Twitter at Bill Shanks, but we'd love for you to call in. And, again, uh, whoever wins the contest is going to get some free food. Nothing like good food from one of our great sponsors for free. And we'll give that to you if, in fact, you do get the contest and pick the right score. 
Thanks so much for being with us here on the Super Bowl Friday. I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Now, back to The Bill Shanks Show on the Superstations. Welcome back. Two days before the Super Bowl. Hey, we want to talk a little bit about basketball here first, and then we're going to get the Super Bowl and talk about that. Hawks do play tonight again. 22-29 and 29 is their record. They're 10th in the Eastern Conference. They're two and a half games back of ninth place Chicago. Two games up on 11th place Brooklyn. Hawks will be at Philadelphia tonight. The Sixers are 30-20 and 20 on the year. That'll be 7 o'clock. You can hear it on the Superstations. Tomorrow, Georgia will try to break a four-game losing streak. They are at Arkansas to take on Eric Musselman and the Razorbacks. Arkansas is 11-11 on the season, and that game will start at 6 o'clock. Those of you in Macon, Warner Robins, Fort Valley, Pinehurst, Rochelle, and Savannah will be able to listen to this game from Fayetteville, 6 o'clock for the tip, 5.30 for the pregame. Georgia Tech has lost five of its last six games. They're at Louisville. I snicker, not because of Tech, just because basketball in this state sucks. Well, we've got to do better. I don't know what else to say. We've got to do better. Georgia Tech's at Louisville tomorrow. They're 7-16. That's the type of team that Georgia Tech's lost to this year. They beat Duke of North Carolina, but they can't beat the bad teams. Well, they'll get a chance tomorrow on the road with the game at 6.30. And we'll see how the Yellow Jackets do. All right. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Now, look, um, I want Kansas City to win. And I, I'm not I'm not kidding about that. I mean, I, I do want them to win. I... I don't like San Francisco. I like the quarterback. I like Brock Purdy, and I I, I think it, it's it's one of the best stories. If if they do win, if San Francisco does win, it's going to be one of the best stories in the history of sports. And I'm not trying to be dramatic with that comment, but you've got to think about the likelihood of Mister Irrelevant, the last player taken in the draft. The last player taken in the draft, leading a team a few years later to a Super Bowl victory. We thought Tom Brady was an unbelievable story, six-round pick. And I'm not comparing Brock Purdy to Tom Brady. Brock Purdy would have a lot of work to do before he can get in that conversation. But part of the reason why Tom Brady's story was so unbelievable was that he was not a top player. He was not one of these guys that – is looked at as a can't-miss player. Tom Brady was an afterthought. He was a six-round pick. And so was Brock Purdy. And now here's Brock Purdy leading a team to, to a Super Bowl. Not Jimmy Garoppolo, not Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> it's Brock Purdy. And that's crazy. It truly is. It's, it's, who else played for him? Sam Darnold, didn't he play for him last year or something like that? He may still be with him. Brock Purdy has led San Francisco to the Super Bowl, and it's it's remarkable. The only person I'll be happy for if San Francisco wins is him, because I, I just 
I admire the young man. It's tremendous odds to beat to come from that position. You know, it's not like he was only a seventh-round pick. He was Mr. Irrelevant. The last pick in the draft has a nickname. I'm sure in Wikipedia, in the Brock Purdy page, Mr. Irrelevant is featured prominently because that's what he was. He was the last pick in the draft. So that's the only reason I would be happy if San Francisco won. But I I prefer the Chiefs to win because I'm a Falcons fan, and Falcons fans don't like San Francisco. The Rams' hate's not there for me as much. I was rooting for the Rams a couple of years ago because, number one, Matthew Stafford is a former Bulldog, and, you know, it's not like it was Vince Ferragamo or Pat Hayden. It was Matthew Stafford, and so that made it a little bit easier. Uh, The Rams, of course, and the Saints and the 49ers were in the same division as the Falcons, and that's some old-time hate right there. Saints are the team that's still in the Falcons division, but still, for a long time, it was Los Angeles and San Francisco as well. And the 49ers just killed the Falcons. It was just murder. It's awful. And I don't like Kyle Shanahan because he was the offensive coordinator when the Falcons blew a 28-3 lead. You don't get over crap like that. So I have no love for Kyle Shanahan whatsoever. Uh, I don't want him to win squat, to be honest with you. Everybody thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. Maybe a better coach than his dad, which I don't think that's really saying much. But nonetheless, I'm not really rooting for him. I like Andy Reid a great deal. I think he's outstanding. And again, I, I think that the part of the conversation for me about Andy Reid, he had a great run in Philadelphia. You know, he, he had a just a really good run. Donovan McNabb was his quarterback. They made it to the Super Bowl. They didn't win. He had a great run. Everybody knew when Philadelphia let him go or they parted ways, whatever it was, that he was going to go somewhere else and have another chance to win a Super Bowl because he was very successful in Philadelphia. It was kind of time for a change, and I, I, I think – did Philadelphia well, too, because they had Doug Peterson after that, and they won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. So they should be happy that that worked out that way. And it's not like Andy Reid had a quarterback like Pat Mahomes in Philadelphia. He didn't. But when he went to Kansas City, of course, he had Alex Smith, and then all of a sudden they had the chance to draft Mahomes, and they did, and he wasn't that heralded number one can't-miss Caleb Williams Trevor Lawrence type player there was debate about Mahomes obviously since he lasted that long the first round and that combination of of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes has been unbelievable (laughs) I mean it's they're going for their third Super Bowl win and Kansas City was a team that obviously when the Super Bowl started was a very important franchise and they had success early on in Super Bowls but uh, they obviously have gotten to a whole nother level this year in the last few years with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. That combination of coach and quarterback, you know, I, I I think I really kind of came to this conclusion because of our conversations about Bill Belichick and the Falcons. And the thought of, well, Belichick sucks because without Tom Brady he was nothing. And I think that's bull crap, okay? I, I just I think it's ridiculous. I think that that what we have to realize is that even though Tom Brady 
won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay with Bruce Arians as the head coach, not Bill Belichick. The, the magic that was in New England for all those years where he won six Super Bowls and lost a couple too could be traced, I think, to the combination of the coach and the quarterback of what Bill Belichick did with Tom Brady. Now, how did Bill Belichick do without Tom Brady? Well, not too good. But again, uh, let, let, let's, say, let, let's say he's made all the money in the world he'll ever need. Let's say Patrick Mahomes retires after Sunday's game. Now, he, he doesn't have the career or the longevity of, of a Tom Brady by any means. But what kind of team would Andy Reid have if he came back next year without Patrick Mahomes? Again, the, the success of a team is always partly because of the success of the quarterback. Why have the Atlanta Falcons not been very good last year in particular? They didn't have a good quarterback. The quarterback situation was awful. So, you know, I, I think the combination is what's important. I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes has been the magic potion for for Kansas City. Now, could another coach have done this with Patrick Mahomes, considering the fact he's the one on the field? Certainly. There's no question about that. But I, I think it has made it even more probable that Kansas City would be in this position because of the experience of Andy Reid and the talent of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we saw the inexperience of a coach a couple of weeks ago with Dan Campbell. We ought to be getting ready for the Detroit Lions to be in the Super Bowl. But instead, he did some things, I believe, that veteran coaches who have been through the playoff wars would not have done. Playoff experience is important, and Andy Reid has coached a lot of playoff games. So, I think that's what's very crucial for this Kansas City team is the combination of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Of course, the Chiefs have some very good players, starting with Travis Kelsey. You can't deny, uh, regardless of the crap off the field that goes on, Kelsey's an outstanding player. He had 984 yards this year. They have Rasheed Rice, a wide receiver, 938 yards. John uh, Justin Watson, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, very good player. Sky Moore, young player. I mean, they have uh, some some talent around Mahomes. Isaiah Pacheco, the running back, he, he had a very good year for them as a running back, 935 yards this year. Of course, Mahomes can run. Uh, they they just have very good talent on this Kansas City team. And, of course, they have some defensive players. I mean, I, I don't think there's many better than Chris Jones. Chris Jones is getting ready to be a, a, a free agent, and he's fixing to cash a big old check. I wish the Falcons would go after him, man. I tell you, I don't know if they need him with Grady and, and David, <clears throat> excuse me, David Onyemata, but Chris Jones is going to make a lot of money, and he's an outstanding talent now. But he leads the way on that defense. There's no question that, that Chris Jones right there is the one who could get after Brock Purdy and make his day absolutely miserable. So Kansas City's got a lot of, of, of advantages, a lot of positives, a lot of checks by their their positions, I think, when you line them up against San Francisco. I mean, it's a good matchup. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a very good matchup. And, you know, obviously the ability for the quarterback to avoid trouble is going to be 
duh, it's going to be a big deal, right? There's no question about that. If Kansas City and Chris Jones puts a lot of pressure on Purdy, he's going to have to really do well. He got sacked 28 times this year. He had 4,280 yards, completed 69.4% of his passes, which is excellent. 4,280 yards, 31 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. An excellent young quarterback is Brock Purdy. And I have to say that I believe if Brock Purdy doesn't win the Super Bowl this year, he will win one at some point. I think he's that good of a quarterback that he you could say, yeah, someone of that stature and of that talent level, yeah, he could he could definitely do it. Of course, Christian McCaffrey is a is a weapon that not many people have in the NFL. And he had fourteen hundred and fifty nine yards this year on the ground with nine with a rather fourteen touchdowns. Of course they've got a, a, a great combination of of receivers with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, the tight end, who's a great player. And, of course, McCaffrey, he had 565 yards receiving as well. So it's a great offense for San Francisco. They can do a lot of damage, and they have just a lot of really good players. They really do. They have Nick Bosa, who's a big-time defensive end on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Javon Hargrave, big-time tackle, of course. And it's it's a really good matchup. It really is. It's I mean it's it's I think we could safely say yeah two best teams yeah pretty much pretty pretty good pretty good matchup here. So I, I think it's going to be Kansas City. I'm rooting for Kansas City, and I do think they're going to win. It's not like I'm just rooting for them and I'm skeptical. I mean I, I'm not going to be shocked if it's San Francisco, but I I think Kansas City will win the ball game. I do. And I, I like any team or any fan that doesn't have a rooting interest in this game. I just want a good football game. And I think we'll get it. I really do. I'll be shocked if we don't get a good football game. So, anyway, again, we'll start taking predictions at about 420. Next, we're going to move to our guest. Anthony Dasher is going to come on. We're going to talk a little Georgia basketball and baseball. Plus, we'll ask him about the new tight end coming to Athens. Then D. Orlando Ledbetter, the top of the hour, from Las Vegas and from the Super Bowl. Then your predictions. We're back with more sports talk on this Friday right after this. Now, back to the Bill Shank Show on the Superstations. we got to remind you that in middle Georgia here, Macon and Warner Robins, the place to go to watch the Super Bowl is the Wild Wing Cafe. They're going to have a, a couple of specials. First of all, they got uh, buy six wings, get six wings free. That's the making store only. They also have the um, Wild Wing orders, wing orders for the Super Bowl. They got uh, $18 Miller cores and Bud Light buckets and they want me to remind you that if you're having a shindig out your house, which a lot of people obviously are, call and place your order. You can do it Saturday to pick up on Sunday. Call early on Sunday afternoon and get ready. But there's no better place to get your wings here in Macon and Warner Robins than at the Wild Wing Cafe, both at the location on Riverside Drive in Macon at the shops at River Crossing or right off Highway 96 in Warner Robin. So keep that in mind. All right, let's talk 
several things with our first guest, Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com. How you doing, sir? Good. You got me hungry there with that little spiel. Man, you're not kidding. I'm, I'm ready for some uh, Super Bowl eatings on, <laughs> on Sunday. Um, and Lord knows in Savannah, your hometown, Coach's Corner. Yeah. You think, you think John will be that. making some wings on Sunday at the Coach's Corner? I'm quite sure he will. <laughs> no no question. No doubt about it. Well, <laughs> um, let, let's let's get your Super Bowl pick first. What what you thinking? Oh, are man. you are you excited about this matchup, Dash? I, I am. I mean, I, I I think both teams are, you know, the ones I pretty much I think pretty much everyone expected to kind of be there again. But I don't. Know, I, I like San Francisco. I'll probably go against the grain a little bit with that one. But I just think the Niners are going to find a way to get it done. What's your What's your score prediction? Uh, twenty-seven, twenty-four. Oh, a close one. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and and Dash, I've said this: if San Francisco does win, don't we have to say that Brock Purdy is one of the best stories in the history of uh, sports? Nah, he's he's one of them, especially at, at you know talking quarterbacks. I mean, he's the uh, he's the Stetson Bennett of the NFL. I mean, yeah. he really is, and just from that standpoint of what you know. A guy coming from nowhere to you know potentially leading his team to a Super Bowl championship. I mean, what a like I said, what a story. Just like just like Stetson was at UGA. That's a great comparison. There's no doubt about it. I think you're you're right. Well, I'm hoping for for a good game. And if he were to win, I'd be happy for him, not the rest of his teammates, because I don't like the 49ers too much. But still, <laughs> still, uh, hopefully it'll be a good game. All right, Dash. Um, several things. Let, let's first yep. talk football. Georgia has a new tight end, the young man yeah. from. From Stanford to just make that that tight end room uh, got to be the best in the country. Looks pretty daggum good to me, doesn't it? Look, looking pretty good. Uh, Benjamin Urasek, uh, very experienced, coming to Georgia as a grad transfer. Probably not your he's not your prototypical you know in line online uh, you know tight end. He's a guy who can make some things happen with a football in his hands, kind of a la you know Brock Bauer. Not putting him in Brock Bauer class by any stretch of the imagination, but he can do some similar things. And uh, I would expect you'll see, uh, you know, Mike Bobo, you try to use him anyway, some similar ways. Because, like I said, he can make some things happen once he gets the football in his hands. Well, and now Oscar Delp, Lawson Lucky, Pierce Sperling, Jaden Riddell, Colton Heidrich. I mean, those six, yeah. I mean, again, I, I just can't imagine anybody in the country having a better group. Can you? It's a, it's a solid group, and there's already a good group to begin with. But now you bring somebody with experience of your sack, and uh, Georgia's offense is only going to be that much better. No question. It's it's fun to think about. And uh, are they done? Do you think this is it? Yeah, I think this is it. I, you know, I know uh, with the news coming out of uh, you know UCLA, that those kids there, uh, you know, have now what thirty days to enter the portal. But I don't think you'll see Georgia you know, reach there for anybody. I can't think of things that and anyone sitting here on the top of my head that they may try to get. But yeah, they, I think they're probably pretty much set now for for the rest of the year. You wonder if Dante Williams, who was at USC, may look at that UCLA roster and, and tell Kirby if there's anybody if they were to go in. That's the only kind of tie that oh, I thought of earlier yeah, today. I mean, yeah, that'd be some familiar from that standpoint. You're exactly right. But like I said, I'm, I'm not expecting anything. You're sitting here right now. All right, uh, Dash. Let's talk a little bit about the basketball team now. They're they're kind of reeling here and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all knew they kind of were in a stretch where they needed to win some games to number one stay above 500 in the conference, mm-hmm. which they have not done now, and and that record is not looking as good as it as it did a couple of weeks ago with the four game losing streak. Yeah. Uh, the, these stretches of of just going cold. I mean, 
uh, if we could figure that out, this out, we'd have the answer to basketball issues. But that's been the problem for this team at times, hasn't it? Yeah, especially you know in the second half, that's where the issues have, have lied. You know, you know the the Tennessee game, the the Alabama game, the South Carolina game. These are all contests Georgia, you know, led by double digits. I believe in the in the second half in each one of them, but they just go you know, have have stretches where they go ice cold and go defense. Uh, Defensively, they don't uh, you know play like they you know are capable of, and the other team has been able to to come back, and that's been the biggest you know concern. Now, granted, Georgia's this schedule Georgia's played of late has been has been pretty brutal to be honest with you. I mean, they're losing teams that you know are going to you know you know be in the NCAA tournament, even even Mississippi State from the other day, uh, and I think has a has a very good chance of making it in. So they play some good teams, but not just haven't been quite able to to get over the hump as, as far as that goes. Uh, so these, uh, you know, like I said, the second half issues have really, really hurt the hurt the team. Those are, those are some answers, you know, Coach White is trying to trying to find right now. This team has some good players, but there's not some big score, one score. Is that part yeah. of it? There's not a go-to guy that you can say, okay, we know he's going to get the ball in this situation. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I mean, they've got some some, some good players, but nobody, like you say, who's going to go out and you can count on for you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen points. A game they've got the manufacturer points maybe a little bit more than some other right. other teams do, and they just and they've got the, and they, bottom line they've got to be hot from the perimeter. I mean Georgia shoots a lot of threes, and if if they're not on, then uh, they're going to have a hard time you know, beating some of these other other you know opponents they play. I think tomorrow's a big game because of who they've got next. They've got yeah. Florida next uh, next Saturday, which uh, of course is going to be tough. We know that, and then at Vanderbilt before they play Auburn. I mean they really need this win tomorrow, don't they? They do. They, I mean, that's a game that I think they have a chance of winning. Of course, playing, uh, you know, at Arkansas will, will will be tough. I mean, it's always tough playing on the road. But then they've got that home return game against Florida. They need to take advantage of Stegman Coliseum, and then the game at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, so you know, the probably the worst team in the league right now. And that's one they have to win. So if they could, you know, find a way to to, to get these next three, then you know, maybe you know, I'm not going to say it's hurt by any stretch of imagination, but I think it would get the you know, team in a maybe a little a little better frame of mind, and, and that's important. They finish strong. I mean, they don't. Nobody wants to see the uh, the you know the team, the program. I don't say the program. That's not fair to me to say, but the but this year's team kind of take a step back from the standpoint. You know, they started so so good in SEC play. They need to to finish strong. Just I think just to connect everybody so everybody can see that the program's heading in the right direction. Yeah, from twelve and three overall to now fourteen and nine. So that's two and six in the last eight games, yeah. and that's. That's uh, not been good. Hey, I yeah. saw you tweet uh, from uh, Foley Field, and we're okay. a week away uh, from the start of the baseball season. Of course, new head coach mm-hmm. for the Dogs. Um, what you seeing out there? So I know you saw a former dog out there pitching on the mound. I saw, but what, what are you seeing so far? <laughs> looking at the uh, the practices, and what 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 are your thoughts on this team coming in? Yeah, it was kind of funny out there today. Uh, Tony Losey. Uh, uh, was out there uh, getting some mound work in before he hit down to spring training. But you know, it's 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 gonna be an interesting team to watch this year. Georgia has twenty was it twenty seven newcomers, you know, seventeen freshmen and, and and ten true freshmen on the squad. So it's been a little bit hard for me to kind of get a, a true handle, you know, on the team. Uh, you know, I know the the Bulldogs were picked six in the SEC East this year, which is you know probably about where most people would put them. But again, it's just so many you know unknowns. Uh, Offensively, I think you're going to see some the team score a lot of runs. Everybody knows about Charlie Condon, who is, you know, maybe the best player I've seen other than Gordon Beckham, and he may be as good as Gordon by the time he gets done this season. Uh, 
but yeah, they brought us some 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 very capable players. Players who have had success at other schools. I mean, Dylan Carter from Texas Tech. Uh, you know, uh, Dylan uh, Goldstein from Florida Atlantic. Uh, Jordan Lord, Lo- Jordan Logan from uh, um, from Campbell. And all these guys have had success at places that, you know they they've been before, and they bring a bring a lot of pop. Um, Colby Branch from Baylor was a freshman All American. You know, last year is going to be a I think a very good player. But it's all going to come down to. The pitching is it, it, it seems like uh, you know it always does. Uh, you know Charlie Goldstein had a good second half last year. Uh, Leighton Finley from Richmond Hill uh, was a uh, had a very good year in, in the Cape Cod League as well as an All Star. And they've got a uh, a transfer uh, Christian Maragna from from George Mason is coming. Was a closer. And they converting into a starting pitcher right now. He's got some got some good stuff. So if the pitching can come through, then I think they've got a chance to be a, you know, a pretty fun team to watch. Charlie Condon to have that kind of player, especially with all the newcomers, to have someone like that yeah. coming back is is so huge for this team. I mean, you just mentioned him in in the, the same breath as Gordo. I mean, uh, yeah. this is it, regardless of the team. Let's not knock the team, but I mean, from a yeah. single individual, this is going to be fun to watch. This young man, isn't it? He is something. I was talking to you know hitting coach uh, Will Cogan today, and he was at Mississippi State for a long time, and. Uh, uh, he put him in the you know same category, you know, as far as being a corner outfielder goes as as Hunter Renfro was when he was at State and wow. some of the other players they had at Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, he he's just a phenomenal phenomenal player. He's a the best description I can I can give of him. He's a right handed Paul O'Neill. Wow. Uh, look very very similar. I mean, they facially even look look alike. Same yeah. hairstyle, same body, same body uh, characteristics, but. Uh, I was watching Charlie Batten practice today. Just put ball after ball after ball, just effortlessly put him over the the fence and uh, going over the batter's eye in center field. Just a remarkable player. And for people who have not seen him play, I mean, he's worth the price of admission alone to get over the Foley. But he is really, uh, like I say, he's, he's really kind of one of a kind type guy. You don't see these types, uh, you know, come through very often. Well, it's going to be so fun to watch him. I I, I can't wait. And finally. Uh, Wes Johnson, I mean, obviously, first-year head coach, uh, you said a ton of new players. Um, how does he sound so far as far as looking forward to his first head coaching opportunity here in the SEC? Yeah, he's, he's, he's looking forward to it. Uh, you know, as you might expect, he's very very excited about it. I mean, Wes is a uh, – if you've never talked to him before, he is the most analytically gifted coach, baseball coach, I've ever dealt with. And that's including some, some coaches, the guys who are in the, in the major leagues right now. He's just uh, – has a remarkable way of translating what he's trying to get across to some of these kids. And we've seen players, like, again, I mentioned Lake Finley, Charlie Goldstein. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys have added uh, you know, a couple of ticks of velo you know, to, their, to their fastball. Now they're up to like 95 and 97, 98 miles per hour uh, with, with, as far as Finley you know, is concerned. Goldstein's up to 95. So he's already had a big impact. And every one of those pitchers you talk to just, just rave about the way he's able to kind of get inside their head and, and kind of really kind of – you know, to turn their yeah. turn their game, personal games around. Well, I can't wait. Looking forward to it. We're a week away. Of course, we'll have many games here on the Superstations. Dash, thank you. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend, okay? We'll do it. Anthony Dasher, one on Twitter, UGASports.com. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Mm-hmm.